This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links and for being patrons at patreon.com slash The Tome Show. Conceptions, stay right there, let me answer your questions. I'll clear up all your misconceptions. You don't dress up to play D&D. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interviews show. And I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm Tracy Hurley. And in this episode, number 310, think back finally on the days of your... When we were but wee children and all seemed right in the world. But we're going to do that with new products as we discuss D&D nostalgia products. Specifically, coloring books and choose-your-own-adventure books. Or endless quest. Yes, that's totally what we said. Joining us in this episode is the Tome Show's social media manager, Ishmael Alvarez. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back. And also later on in this episode, we will be chatting with Matt Forbeck, author of the Endless Quest books, um, which are of the traditional choose-your-own-adventure style. And recently, both a new coloring book based on art from Todd James and a new series of Pick-A-Path books <laughs> called go. Endless Quest were released for D&D. There's also an older coloring book that can... Uh, still be found in print. It's like a golden age of D&D, back when there were these sorts of things, Saturday morning cartoons, probably a breakfast cereal, definitely some merchandise in most stores. Uh, they kind of went crazy with merchandising back then. <laughs> now, though, <laughs> it seems like D&D has reached a level of success, and they're dipping their toes back into those waters. Uh, and we're going to give you our impressions on some of the first few efforts. So, let's talk coloring books. Um... There's like like you like uh, Tracy said in the intro here. There's there's kind of two coloring books. There's one that came out several years ago, uh, and then there's the one that just came out like a few months ago. And can I put in a promotion here for a second? Absolutely. If anyone does is dying to understand what is in those coloring books, even after we just particularly after we describe, I did do a flip through of each of them on my YouTube channel. There you go, and that YouTube channel is. Sarah Dark Magic. All right, there you go. Simple. Not everybody who listens will automatically know that you're Sarah Dark Magic. Oh, yeah, no, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, they will. Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's the two different um, coloring books, um, but they 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 function a little differently. Like they seem to have a different like purpose or goal. Um, who wants to describe those for us? I'd be happy to. Okay. So uh, the first one uh, was the Heroes and Monsters, was it? It was of Forgotten Realms. Uh, and a lot of it was, I don't know exactly how they did it, and I guess we, we could have tried to ask uh, Wizards of the Coast to clarify, but it's essentially line art of images, mostly of images that had been in print before. Hmm. Um, and so you can color it in, and then they gave you like pages uh, that said where it was from, who the artist was, uh, and stuff like that. And then they also gave uh, some color, like pages where the original art was in there, if mm -hmm. I recall correctly. That is that is indeed the case as I am looking at mine right now. And um, oh, go ahead, Ishmael. I, I was just going to say, it seemed at the time, and even just flipping through it again, it seems like it's kind of um, 
going through the the kind of uh, what am I trying to say? The stint of quote unquote adult coloring books. That is to say, mm. not what you would think of when you hear the word adult, but like coloring books to help adults be to color and to kind of like do something relaxing. Mm -hmm. um, so it has that kind of schema to it where it's kind of meant more for like all these intricate designs more than to like look pretty or to be yeah. a little bit more of a throwback to the older. Small, a lot of small details and that kind of stuff. Yes. Meant to take a lot of your time mm -hmm. and, and coloring in those details. Yeah. And I think that was one reason why, so I did get involved, like, I like doing coloring books, they help me relax and, and everything else, but I don't, I never actually colored in that coloring book, even though I owned it, because I was always, uh, I didn't have the time to do all those details, and the other thing is, if I recall correctly, they're printed on each side, mm -hmm. and um, that makes it limited in terms of what media you can use. You have to, for the most part, you're going to use dry media, specifically probably colored pencils. And those are take the longest of all the media that I've tried to do. Yeah, I, I, I tried to do uh, a good amount of coloring in preparation for this episode in, in uh, the coloring books, primarily in the newest one. Um, and I exclusively used color pencils because I realized, oh, I don't want to like steal all my kids stuff so i i ran i ran to target that night and bought a big you know pack of crayola colored pencils and i've done all colored pencils um and i'm gonna go ahead and use that as the reason why tracy got so much faster at coloring than i did because <laughs> so, you you yeah. were do, you were doing like a picture a day and i was doing like a picture a week so yeah and I just, I did colored pencils because I was just like, there's no way I could do that many pages with them. Mm -hmm. uh, some people do, and then and that's great. And actually, I kind of did colored pencils, but I did watercolor ones. So you kind of put a really light coating down and put some water on it, and it looks great. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the, that's the, the original one. one. This one yeah. is a more cartoonist style. Yeah, what, and um, what, what's the title of the, of the new one? Uh, Adventures Outlined. There you go. Uh, I... I wrote it enough times from the different yeah. YouTube <laughs> <laughs> and Twitter and tweets about it. So mm -hmm. I remember this one quite well. Uh, and so I had a good mix of um, there's, you could get intricate if you want it, but you also could have just, you could just like color it all the same thing and allow the, the line art to be the pattern in within one color and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it had, it, it was more to me. Um, I don't know an amusement to it i want i don't want to say more fun but like it it was more it was, it was more light lighthearted yeah yeah it's whimsical in its depiction of <laughs> of D, D stuff like the the older one is taking actual D, D art and turning it into line art so that you can use it as a coloring book whereas this one is completely original art uh by artist uh todd james um that then is is you know it and he has sort of a more whimsical um style to it to his art yeah and so and also the one other thing that i noticed uh between it and other adult coloring books i did is that the use of black helped tremendously mm. because in a lot of those areas he would use um large uh portions of black where things were kind of intricate so you, you didn't really have to worry about being directly in the lines uh, because it, you were just going over black, so your color would it it would look a lot neater than you were being. Mm -hmm. 
and I know I'm going way too deep in the weeds already, which is no, like, it's fine. Coloring. Well, and and this um, this one was not only uh, original art, and you talk about how we talk about how it's a little more lighthearted, and the other one was a, an adult coloring book with tons of detail and whatever. There's a lot of detail in this in the newer book as well. Like I am finding myself taking a lot of time drawing little tiny people in the background and stuff because they're all sort of individually outlined. So even taking each sort of space and making it its own color um, involves a lot of time um, in order to make that work. So, so I don't. I did get... So oh, yeah, I'm gonna say so. It's not a, an adult coloring book in as much as it has that sort of serious style to it because of the whimsy, um, but it definitely took me a good amount of effort uh, and time to get through all the details. Ishmael? I was just going to say, it just seemed like you're, 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 you're uh, of course right about the effort that, that goes into this uh, version of it. But uh, looking at it, I thought I could give this to a kid and they would not be necessarily intimidated. They just dig right in and start coloring. It, it, it had that kind of look where yeah. a kid could probably pick it up and start you know, coloring what, what, in whatever, uh, with whatever skill level they had. Yeah. My seven-year-old's been, been asking regularly to, to color in it. And I keep telling him no, cause I wanted to, you know, a use it for myself and, 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 and B, uh, not have him, uh, mess it up too much, at least until we've gotten the review done. So now I feel yeah. like, now I feel like I, I, I'm in a competition with Tracy though. And I eventually have to do the whole book and compare my pictures to hers. <laughs> we could have a gallery showing. We could. <laughs> you should uh, collaborate uh, like I did I did with my zombie book with Freddy. Yeah, I saw that. That was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, he basically took my pencil because I was using my watercolor pencils and he just started drawing with it. Right. <laughs> for, for, any, like, for anybody who doesn't know, Tracy has a toddler in the house. Yeah. So he kind of does the, those sorts of things where he just takes things and <laughs> runs with it. Uh but and that's and it's true. It's definitely like I think something more approachable, and it's still firmly in the adult coloring book space mm-hmm. because of that level of detail, Jeff, that you're pointing out. But it, I think, the subject matter makes it a good transitional book too. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, and and it's like you were saying before that the older book um, has art sometimes on both sides of one page, whereas this one only has art typically on one side of one page. And then the other side is just a little blurb of text to kind of help tell a story. There's almost a narrative that you can put together with some of these pictures. Like there's, um, there's two that go really clearly in a set where uh, on one picture you're painting a beholder and the, and the hero is fighting the beholder. And on the next page, it's the undead beholder with its army of skeletons. Um, you know, so it kind of tells the story of, oh yeah, the adventurers fought and killed the beholder. And then it came back as an undead beholder and, and, um, you get to draw both incarnations, you know? Um, and so it has that going on. Now there's a few instances where there's like a full, like super detailed two page spread, um, which then of course covers both of those pages and it doesn't have the the bit of text. Yeah. Um, and so for what that meant for me was that I could use a lot of uh, wet media, and what and that means like markers or watercolor paints, mm. uh, because that paper and that's, and this is the thing that I would like to talk about in part of the review that other fo- folks may or may not know. Like the paper really held up well mm. for uh, coloring book. Like I, I have a bunch of different ones. I've tried them. I've tried to do wet 
uh, like watercolor in them before and the the paper just completely buckles this one still buckles a little bit but it it held up to it I didn't uh, I originally was like putting there's this stuff you can buy called clear uh gesso um that would like help protect the page more and after a while I just ditched it because I didn't need it Hmm, that's nice so it's a it's a nice hearty stock uh on the pages in this one yeah I was really surprised very good um any other thoughts on coloring books uh, I was just going to bring up that in my research for this, I found a 1979 official Advanced Dungeons and Dragons coloring album. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed very similar to the more recent one that came out, just kind of like whimsical detail, but not a lot of detail. Um, the kind of art you would expect from the 70s, but still not bad and, and, and pretty pretty decent. So if if anyone's interested in hunting that guy down... Uh, it's kind of a neat little look back at uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So are you um, are you saying the funny. last time they did a coloring book was the year I was born? Uh, evidently. Wow. <laughs> Seems like surely there's been something in between there, but there might have been. That's the one that I found. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there had been some for the TV show. Oh, absolutely. That that stands to reason. Yeah. Um, and that's, but to me, that's like a pretty uh, big thing too, because I saw some derisive comments about it. But in all honesty, there have been coloring books for D and D pretty much as long as there's been D and D. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, and I don't know, I don't understand the idea of being derisive towards towards a coloring book for D and D because, like, it's not like it's. Has like if you're not into it, then it has nothing to do with you. What do you care? <laughs> like, and if right. and if you are into it, then then awesome. Um, you know it because D and D's full of adventure, you know, adventurous sort of action scenes and crazy monsters and all kinds of stuff that would be really fun to color. So um, it seems like it lends itself well to that and has no negative impact on anybody who's not into it. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get the hate. Haters gonna hate, right? <laughs> and I, and I should point out, uh, at least for the the newer book, uh, the uh, that I I received a review copy, um, which is why I thought, hey, I've got some time, and my wife has gone and took the kids with her for the weekend. I'm gonna I'm gonna get some coloring in, um, and so that's where where that came from for me. Um, I don't know that I would have sought it out otherwise, but I'm actually really glad that they sent it because I've really enjoyed coloring in it. Um, and, and now maybe that the review's done, I'll, I'll let my, my kids color a few pages here and there. So. <laughs> yeah, I got a review copy as well and I begged for it and I oh, was all ready to buy one myself if they, if it didn't arrive. Yeah. I bought the, I bought the older one, but I didn't buy this one. Yeah. Same here. So. Um, and then what was I going to say? One more thing about the coloring books and this has nothing to do as a review but more like if someone from the, from Watsi happens to be listening if we could get it released on uh dm's guild or something where i could people could print out on their own paper uh that could mm-hmm. be actually be fairly useful for so, some folks so uh, yeah digi- a, a digital version so that people yeah so then people could you know print it and if they really wanted to take time with it they'd have a nice a nice piece on on a good stock that they could you know hang on the wall or frame or whatever that'd be cool yeah because some colors they um will scan in and then print it out but Mm -hmm. obviously like that can run into some weird stuff whereas Mm -hmm. if it's an official thing that i can just do that'd be awesome absolutely right on 
So hear that, Watsy. We want PDF <laughs> versions of the coloring books. I tell you. That way, if I screw up a page, I can easily. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, though, they, they've been um, somewhat responsive to that lately. Uh, I tweeted at Mike Merles about wanting the a PDF version of the, the Waterdeep Intruidion or whatever it's called in the back of, of uh, Dragon Heist. Oh, wow. And, and then he tweeted over to, um, was it Chris Lindsay maybe? Um, and like within a week or two, they announced, hey, we're releasing this thing and, and proceeds go to uh, 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 Child's Play or whatever the, the charity was. So mm-hmm. the, like like – I'm like, hey, I did that. Like, I tweeted a guy, and and two weeks later, there was a product for sale. <laughs> that was awesome. Awesome. So, but that's beyond the that's point. That's pretty good. Kudos on you. I, well, I love that. Encouragement. I just ask questions, you know. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of asking questions, um, let's talk about Endless Quest, uh, wherein you are oftentimes asked questions about where you want to go. See how I did that? So, Very nice. <laughs> Endless Quest, as Tracy put it, is a pick a path book. Uh, Or if you are my age and read these a lot, it's similar in style to the uh, 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 pick your own, uh, choose your own adventure books that um, uh, that are copyrighted (laughs) and and registered trademark, (laughs) registered trademark, uh, uh, choose your own adventure books, which this is not. This is the Endless Quest uh, series. and so it's sort of in the same style, right? You, you read a little bit of the story and then you run into a scenario and they say, okay, what do you want to do? Uh, if you want to do this thing, go to page whatever. If you want to do that thing, go to this other page. And then you sort of keep going until you, you know, die horribly because that's ultimately what happens like 90% of the time. <laughs> uh, so I also received a copy of one of these books uh, as a review copy. I got the, uh, the cleric one, which is set in Chalt and is associated with the... Tomb of Annihilation storyline. Uh, which ones are, are the rest of you guys reading? So I'm actually still trying to get my hands on one. Um, okay. I've been uh, trying to get one through my library, and I think they're just a little bit backordered on them. Uh-huh. Um, but I might just run out and buy one. It's been a long time since I've been to a Barnes & Noble. Well, that's awesome kind of to hear, though, that it seems like people are checking these out of the library. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. I I did the To Catch a Thief, I think it was. Okay, that's the Waterdeep-based uh, one? Yeah, I okay. did. I had picked up another one, but uh, due to some stuff happening here, I didn't get a chance to read it. Okay. So so they've got one for each of the, the sort of core um, original classes, right? There's a wizard, cleric, uh, fighter, and thief, or rogue, or whatever. Um, and they're also kind of, uh, as, as we discovered talking to uh, Matt Forbeck in the interview that you'll hear in a moment, um, that each one is kind of tied to some of the major storylines uh, that Wizards have put, has put out for D&D in the last few years. So one of them's dealing with giants, one of them's in Waterdeep, one of them's in Chalt. I can't remember where the other one is, but they're all sort of... T- <laughs> What's that? Was one of them in the Underdark, maybe? Uh, maybe. That might be it. Uh, and so, so they're all kind of tied to that. I actually found the the uh, cleric one in Chalt to be an interesting sort of prelude to Tomb of Annihilation, because in Tomb of Annihilation, there's an NPC running around Artis Simber, uh, and in this book, um, your kind of whole mission is to find Artis Simber uh, and and you know get him to give up the Ring of Winter because the Harpers are worried about him running around Chalt with it. 
<laughs> but I found that to be I, an interesting sort of prelude story. He's been popping up in all kinds of media all of a sudden. First, I, I heard of his name. Uh, I think it was back in the Storm King's Thunder uh, storyline. Yeah. Ever since then, he's just been popping up, especially in stream games. So sometimes dying. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, I mean, he goes back years. There were novels and stuff about him. So he's not a new character. Yeah. And I think it kind of feeds into um, Wizards overall. Um, it is about the story. Like mm-hmm. fifth edition was kind of designed to be more about the story. But they wanted it to go beyond just the game and in terms of we have a shared experience in a larger group or community mm-hmm. around same storyline. So while, of course, they want us to play the game as well, um, the, one of the reasons, one of the ways you can entice new players is by making it something that they're comfortable and know a little bit about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and, and I and I think um, these endless quest books are, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I would read back when I was a kid that would then get me really interested in role-playing because this is like really low-level, entry-level role-playing games, right? Just reading the book and now you have a choice, right? Reading reading a little more and now you have another choice. Reading a little more and then you die horribly. Uh, but yeah. then, I, then I can go back and start over and try again, right? Um, this, is, this is the exact sort of thing that I think primed you know little bitty jeff griner uh to eventually be like oh yeah i can totally play a game where i i you know we play a little bit and then i make a choice and we play a little bit i mean that's basically a a role-playing game only with you know more choices right right and it's not that much different from the solo quest uh what was it from the red Mm, box the the old uh was that no pink it was the red box. Um, oh, it was the new red box. I think it was actually both the old and the new red box. They have that. Um, and I'm trying to remember, was that was that red box, the newer red box put out for fourth edition? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. And, and so you could imagine, you know, this one was purely a just make a choice of how you respond or, or something like that, where you could see eventually they might add a die in. Right. <laughs> like roll a d6. <laughs> Right, so it's so so it's a little bit less uh, complex than that, right? Um, yeah, because you're just making choices. I ended up um, my best case scenario was I ended up uh, dying on the Aracocra village, you know, up on the 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 spire or whatever it is. Um, but I managed to successfully talk to Artis Simber and get him to promise to you know take care of the ring or whatever. That was my big success. I still died horribly. Um, but, but I, but I accomplished my mission in dying. Thanks. Yeah. That was better than the time that I think I was, I was shot up with poison darts by grungs. So, um, so having looked at, you know, Tracy's looked at one, I've looked at one. What are the odds that you would go out and buy more Tracy? Well, I do have one other one. I don't know. And I I wonder if it's just the, to, to catch a thief one, I don't feel had the same sort of, like, interesting deaths. Okay. Comparatively. Because, like, <laughs> one of them is just you get thrown into the jail. And, of course, spoilers for everyone. Right. Uh, one of them is, like, you kind of get thrown into uh, a water deep prison and you're just left to die. Mm-hmm. Which... It's cool, but not as cool as getting shot by poison darts. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So yeah, so so you think you'd buy more, or, or are you happy with the two you got and leave it there for now, or what? Uh, I'd probably buy more when Freddie's a little older. Yeah, see, that's what I was thinking. Is that is that uh, even like my older son, who's way too old for this kind of stuff? He's a middle schooler. Um, he was enjoying it, but then like read through a couple of scenarios, and it's like, okay, I get it, and then he was done, right? <laughs> um, and my and my my younger one, who's in second grade, is still not quite a strong enough reader to be able to go through this kind of stuff on his own. We could read it together, um, but we only have so much time for story time, and he's got other things that that he wants us to read. <laughs> so, um, so like I really enjoy these. I really like them. I think when my youngest is maybe eight. Nine, that might be sort of the ideal time frame um, for kids to be to be reading them. I know that was sort of the time frame when I was reading them. It, it really like spurred imagination for me, right? I was reading the the Zork books and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so so I guess I don't plan on buying more yet, but I could totally see myself buying more in like a year or two. Yeah, and like the other problem for me is just with having a toddler. If I do get to read a book. It's in short spurts and mm-hmm. then trying to remember, like, as you try to make those decisions and stuff, it's just harder to remember um, what was in your current storyline and then trying to keep them distinct from your previous storylines right. gets kind of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I only just got to a point where I could read big chapter books with my kids. Um, and that was the, uh, we read the the illustrated version of The Sorcerer's Stone. So they had their first taste of Harry Potter. Somehow my middle schooler has made it all the way to seventh grade and has never read any Harry Potter books. So he, we've, oh, read, wow. we've read one now together. Nice. So Very nice. Uh, so anyway, anything else about the Endless Quest books before we toss it to the interview with Matt Forbeck? Nope. nope. I think I might. I might go out and buy them uh, for the school that I work. I work at a middle school. Uh-huh. I was going to say, you could always buy them for yourself and then donate them to the library, right? It's probably what I'm going to actually do. Uh, and I just know that there's uh, enough of a variance with as many kids as we have mm-hmm. with the reading levels that I'm yeah. sure someone's going to be interested in them. And Absolutely. If I get four, I'm not worried about like one kid getting bored of them. Then there's like a good chunk of them that might be willing to like you know, maybe read them and tell each other about them. Hopefully that'll, that'll be what happens. Absolutely. All right. So I think that's a good plan. Everybody should go out and buy these books. And uh, when you're done with them, you can go ahead and, and pass them off to uh, li- local libraries or school libraries. And so now let's go ahead and find out more about the endless quest books. And, and there's all kinds of stuff I wanted to talk. Uh, I could have talked about with them, but they're all stuff I learned about in the interview. So why don't we just go ahead and, and have a quick chat with Matt Forbeck and you guys can hear the interview. And we are here now with author Matt Forbeck. He's been writing around the D and D scene for some time now, as well as writing for franchises like Halo and Blood Bowl and Eberron and so much more. Recently, he's responsible for the Endless Quest series of D and D books. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you for having me out, Jeff. It is lovely. And Tracy, to... oh, who's yeah. out and, there somewhere? And Tracy, who's who's uh, hanging out in the background there. Tracy, why don't you go ahead and take the first question then? Yeah. Hey, Matt, since this is uh, your first time on our show, do you want to tell us a bit about who you are? Uh, Well, my name is Matt Forbeck. I uh, started out in tabletop game design many, many years ago, uh, back when I was in college. And 
when I was fresh out of college, I went to go work for Games Workshop on a student work visa for six months and mm-hmm. came back and I've been pretty much freelance game design and novel writing and video game work ever since then. So uh, I'm probably best known for having been one of the people who founded Pinnacle Entertainment Group, which did Deadlands and Brave New World and now does Savage Worlds, amongst many other things, and also for writing lots and lots of different novels. Um, I also wrote the Marvel Encyclopedia, uh, the last two editions of that, which uh, the last edition spent six months on the New York Times bestseller list, which was kind of fun. Um, I'm also writing Halo novels and a bunch of D&D stuff and original work and comic books and role-playing games and video games and Lots and lots of fun things. So, so you've got a, you've got like no geek cred then, huh? No, no, this yeah. is all very. <laughs> Who are you people anyway? What is this? I'm talking to a machine. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Uh, so recently, you wrote the the endless quest books uh, that yes. we that we've that we're talking about here in this episode. So, what are the endless quest books? What 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 is that thing? Well, we're not allowed to call them choose-your-own-adventure books because that's trademarked by somebody else. But essentially, they're pick-a-path books, very much similar to that kind of a thing, where uh, you go to a page, it gives you a little bit of a story, and then it says, would you like to do A or B? You know, Would you like to fight the monster or run away from the monster? And if you want to fight the monster, you turn to page 34. If you want to run away from the monster, you go to page 46, right? And you work your way through the stories this way. Uh, originally, this was a series of books that came out from TSR, the original publishers of Dungeons and Dragons, back in the 80s, and then they had another series in the 90s, and then they quit doing them for a long time, and they had dozens of them. Um, and then uh, last year, I came out with a book called Dungeonology, which came mm-hmm. out from uh, Candlewick here in the U.S. and from Studio Press in the U.K. Which we reviewed here on the show, if people want to go back and listen to what that's all about, yeah. There you go. Um, and my editors there said uh, they managed to get the license to do more endless quest books. And they said, well, interested in writing these? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so uh, sign me up. So I ended up writing four endless quest books that, are coming, that came out in early September. And they've signed me on to write two more. So I'm in the process of working on those right now. I'm waiting for approvals from Wizards on the current outlines. And then once those are all through, I'll get off to the races again. It's good fun. Awesome. And so how do the Pick Your Path books, adventure books, different from the novels you've written? Well, obviously they're different from novels in the fact that with a novel, there's generally one way you go through and I tell you what it is, right? Um, And there's only one beginning and one ending. With these uh, Pick a Path books, with these Endless Quest books, there are 26 different endings in every book, right? Mm. And because of that, not all of them are going to end up uh, going well for you as as a reader, if you believe yourself to be one of the characters that you're taking part of. So essentially there are four different books and each of them has a, a character in them that qualifies for, or uh, is one of the major classes for Dungeons and Dragons. So there's a fighter book, a rogue book, a wizard book, and a cleric book. And in each of these books, you take on the persona of one of these characters and I present you with these different choices. Um, and probably about three quarters or more of the choices end in violent and horrible, miserable death. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's kind of the, the trope of these things is that there, there's going to be a lot of terrible, bad ideas that you can do uh, and make them end up uh, really rough for you. But out of a few of those, they're really wonderful ideas. You come through and uh, you end up with a triumphant ending. Um, and to me, that's part of the fun is, you know, seeing yourself die in a miserable way and then saying, oh, I can go back to the page I was last time and then make a different choice this time. Right. So use your bookmarks liberally is what I say. Mm-hmm. 
but the process of writing uh, in that sort of non-linear fashion, like, do you write like l- the little chunks of each part of narrative, the narrative, and it gets sort of shuffled together, or like, how do, how does that all come together? I've always wondered. Well, what we do when we start, sit down and start out is we come up with an outline that's uh, basically a branching narrative tree. And I've done similar types of things for the video game work that I do. So it's mm. not that unusual to me to try to attack something like this in a, in a different way. Um, and so uh, we'll sit down and say, okay, we need to have 26 different endings. These are the number of words that we have for each of the different pages that we're going to go through. And these are fully illustrated, full color books. So we have a lot of nice artwork we're going to put in them. Um, and then we're like, okay, how does this work? What's going to be an intriguing story? Uh, fortunately, because we're working on Dungeons and Dragons, we have a plethora of wonderful places to explore. And we decided to stick to a lot of the places that are being explored in fifth edition adventures, right? So uh, one of the books that was recently in Waterdeep, there's another one in the Underdark. We went to Chult, which is uh, you know the jungle area way down south in the southern part of the Forgotten Realms. Um, and... Where's the other one? Uh, yeah, they, they just wander around to different places and take part in these adventures. I, it was the, the Giants adventure that we took, and that kind of is a oh. travel log that goes for a lot of the different parts of the Forgotten Realms. Um, and, you know, you say, okay, let's see what's a natural uh, cliffhanger for these bits of story to end to add. And if you reach that cliffhanger, what are a couple of interesting choices that the character might be able to have? And then you just let it carry from there. And, you know, as I'm doing this, I've got it flow charted out. So I know that some of these choices are going to end very quickly and some of them will continue on. So because we want the triumphant ones to be something that requires some challenges and some pitfalls and, and uh, you know, the roller coaster of any kind of wonderful narrative that you go through, those are those tend to be the longer ones, right? It's not like you say, oh, I made the right choice first off and suddenly everything's great. Uh, you have to struggle with it for a bit. And that's part of you know playing through the book as you... You'll make a few bad choices, but uh, very likely. If you manage to get through the entire book and get a triumphant um, result on your first try, you're doing a really good job because we try to fool you into having fun and, and going back and you know torturing yourself a little bit before you get to that triumph. Mm. Yeah, and you mentioned how you're you're in like different locations and whatever that tie into um, to different areas of the Forgotten Realms where there are adventures being told. But it seems like you're, it's more than that, right? It's it's you're tying fairly directly into the some of the larger storylines. Like this is a, a a different way of experiencing, you know, the Tomb of Annihilation, for example, is the is the storyline that's in Chult, and in the Endless Quest adventure or book, um, you're dealing with Artis Simber, who is an NPC in that adventure. Right, and Artis has actually got a long history. I mean, Jim Lauder wrote books about yep. Artis way back in the day, right? So he's a character that's got a lot of history in the Forgotten Realms. And, uh, you know, part of that was me looking through and saying, we have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of different plot lines in these adventures. One that I can choose out of this that looks like it'll fit well into this kind of a format and ride that along. There, there's a, a couple of reasons I do that. One is that uh, the books are fairly short compared to one of these adventures, and you don't have a, a lot of space. You can't do every one of them. But also, too, is I don't want to do spoilers for the entire adventure. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to have somebody who wants to play through this and say, oh, God, I know everything that's going to happen because I read this Choose Your Own Adventure book. I want them to just get a good taste of it and see what the adventure might be like in this one aspect of it, but not have the entire thing ruined for them so that they can't play through it later. Yeah, so so how closely do you end up working with Wizards of the Coast to to make those ties work? Fairly close. There's uh, 
uh, Hillary and Adam over there are two people we work with fairly directly. And they uh, they go through the, all the different outlines and say, yeah, you know, that looks great. Or no, no, this isn't exactly. And maybe this is a better idea for you. They've been very good to work with, actually. Very easy. The, the kind of licensors I like to deal with who are mm. the ones that say, hey, uh, yeah, this is screwed up. You couldn't possibly have known this because that's not out in print yet. Or maybe it happened in a book 20 years ago or whatever. But uh, this is we can't let this fly. However, here's an idea for you that uh, you can riff off of and make your own, and this will work for us, right? Okay. So those are the kind of people you want to work with that understand uh, the challenges that you have to go through as you're writing this kind of stuff, especially when you're dealing with something like The Forgotten Realms, which has literally decades worth of backstory behind right. it, that there are very few people who are that expert on it. I mean, I know a lot of Forgotten Realms stuff, but there's no way I can actually shove all that stuff in my head and have it at the beck and call. Uh, for when I need it. Plus, I mean, every time there's a new edition of Dungeons and Dragons, something changes with the Forgotten Realms. And not all of that information is available to the public and certainly not even to the writers who are working on the stuff at the time. So that's something that often they'll have to go back and talk to the people in the office and say, where are we headed with this? And is this going to fit with this? Is this going to work with what our plans are? Mm-hmm. And so far, it's been really a wonderful relationship. Part of that's great because I like the guys there. I mean, it's a good crew of people. So do they give you like early outlines or whatever of the, I mean, for the ones that aren't out yet so that you kind of know which NPCs are around that you can play with or, or what? Because like there's no reason without picking up Tomb of Annihilation to think, oh, Artist Simber, I can pull him out for, for Chalt because yeah, no, it's not they, usually they, his stomping grounds. They give me the early uh, information, like stuff that's uh, in an outline stage or an early development stage. So I have uh, PDFs of that stuff that I can okay. consult and say, okay, this is what they're looking at. Like, uh uh, the latest stuff in Waterdeep that was being done, they actually sent me early copies of that for uh, the one of the books I did with there, uh, To Catch a Thief, is actually mm-hmm. set in Waterdeep. Um, and so that was something where I had an outline for it, and I knew roughly what they were going to be doing. Originally, I had them kidnapping a dragon, and then they didn't tell me, but they said, no, you can't do that. We're doing it like that in a different story. And then the the title Dragon Heist came out. I'm like, oh, they're, they're that's, that's, that's. <laughs> so, um, Maybe we should just do something else, then. So. Um, and, uh, right now I'm working on something that's set in for the next round of books. That's something that's set in, uh, in Undermountain. So I've got preview oh. editions, all that stuff. And I have for months, which is, you know, it's kind of neat. You get to look at the stuff before everybody else does. I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to drop us a, a hint about what was coming out next, but, but Undermountain has been announced. So that wasn't new. Information. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> I'm very good about respecting my non-disclosure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's my bread and butter. You start doing that, you start uh, letting people know things ahead of time, and oh, you shot yourself in the foot very badly. I hear you. Uh, Speaking of non-disclosure type agreements, uh, it sounds like from a few of the questions that Jeff has here that he's a little worried about how to survive the books. (laughs) Uh, So if you could maybe disclose some tips for him, or at least some tips on the best way to, maybe some good ways to enjoy the books. I, like I said, uh, bring a bookmark. Bring several bookmarks if you need to, right? Um, well, and then, your finger, right? As long as you don't take the finger out of the section, you can still go back. Then it counts, I think, right? <laughs> so, and I think you know, part of it is just enjoying the, the, the slaughter, right? Uh, uh, when I write these things, I try to make it so even if it's a terrible, horrible, you're going to regret this very badly for the rest of your life kind of an ending, as short as that might be, I want it to be entertaining for you, right? Um, when I'm writing these things, I'm like, okay, I need to come up with another exciting, different, and intriguing and engaging way for this to end badly. And that's really <laughs> a lot of the, the, ch- the challenge and the fu- uh, fun for me doing this 
is to come up with new and different ways to do that. I mean, every one of the in the book is different, too. I try not to just say, oh, you fell into a pit. Oh, you fell into another pit. Oh, look, another pit over there. Oh, there's a fifth pit. You know, that, that's not fun for anybody, right? You might as well just link up to the same thing, and it gets frustrating. So uh, so every time there's an ending in the book, it's a different ending, and they all have their own different things that resonate through them. So honestly, even if you make it through the book all the way through the first time and survive, my hope is that you're going to go through this again and again and again and find all the terrible endings as well, right? Because the terrible ending should be just as much fun as the triumphant endings. Yeah. I feel like I had at least one ending where where I, I, I got to the end and I'm like, oh, I, I was really successful. I accomplished my goal and yet somehow still died horribly. How does how does that work out? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, triumph can be different for different people. That's right. <laughs> You know, not every not every novel you write is going to have this kind of a. Hey, you know, not everybody gets to you know write off in the sunset with their chosen other and and have a happily ever after, right? Sometimes you win, but it's a pyrrhic victory. That's okay. Yep. So you mentioned that you're in the process of two additional um, endless quest books. There are currently the four the four uh, core classes, right? You got wizard, Correct. fighter, rogue, and cleric. Uh, so what classes are we expecting in the next two that you're working on? I don't know if I'm at liberty to actually develop oh. that. But, um, but it, you know, they could very well be the same uh, same classes we've used. They could be some more characters. There'll probably be new characters, but, you know, the, those four major ones are the classics, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, as much as I would like to write, you know, the Bard and the Alchemist and whatever else, uh, we may stick a little bit, hew a little bit closer to the main as it goes. Um, so and I'm still waiting to hear back on the uh, approvals for the outlines for those. So I couldn't really say nothing set in stone at the moment. Oh, so it's, it'll be some time before those come out. No, no ideally they're going to be out in September of next year. Okay. Right. Um, I'm fairly quick writer and these things, you know, they know how to do them. They can turn them around fairly quickly. So uh, it's not like your traditional publishing thing where you turn in a book and it might be 18 months to two years after that until it comes out books where we already know who's going to be buying them and why they're going to be buying them and all that kind of stuff. So the promotion machine will ramp up next summer and hopefully they'll be in stores in, in September. But they're not going to give us any additional hints about, about Wizards products that we haven't seen yet. Because by then they'll well, have announced the, no, the next the two. So. These will be for things that you've already seen. Right. Darn. <clears throat> Always looking for tips and, and clues, right? Of course. Well, I mean, one of the neat things about these is that, you know, and also the neat things about the Wizard stuff is, you know, just because it's a couple of years old doesn't mean you can't go back and play it. You can oh, go absolutely. play against the Giants still, right? You can go play Ravenloft. You can play go play all these other things. And, that, you know, just because they're not the freshest thing out there doesn't mean there's still not tons of fun. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm in the middle of, of a campaign that involves, uh, like, the second and the third adventures they put out, or maybe fourth. Or the, um, you know, so there's no reason to, that you can't keep going back to them. Exactly. Tracy, I'll let you take the I, next one. I don't one. have anything about okay. endless quests unless you do. No, go, if you got <laughs> if you have non-endless quest questions, we got a few minutes. Go ahead and ask. Sure. So, um, outside of those, are, are there other things that you're working on that you'd like people to know about? Uh, well, for D and D stuff, not at the moment. Although uh, I have lots of other books. We have um, my latest book is actually a book for Life is Strange, which is a video game. Um, a video game series, actually. Life is Strange 2 just came out, or the first episode came out last month. And this is a series of, of video game stories that are episodic in nature, about uh, mostly about a woman, a couple of young teenage girls who are in high school, or just out of high school, who are having these adventures in, uh, 
in northern or uh, the Oregon coast. And so I wrote a book called uh, Welcome to Blackwell Academy, which is the school at which the games are set. The first two games, Life is Strange and then Before the Storm. And uh, it's basically it's kind of an artifact, right? You open it up. It's supposedly a book that tells you all about the academy the kids are going to. And mm-hmm. then you flip it over on the other side. It tells you all about Arcadia Bay, which is the city that it's set in. But uh, amongst all that, then the, the girls have gone through and uh, basically done graffiti and bantered back and forth by writing in the book. So I actually wrote all the text of them doing that, too. And that was a ton of fun. That was a, a good lot of fun. And that just came out uh, on October 9th, I think. And it's actually not even out in the U.K. yet. It'll be out in the U.K. on the 30th. Right on. Um, what else? I had a Halo novel come out back in April, I believe. That was my third Halo novel. That was called Halo Bad Blood. That continues the stories of um, Sergeant, uh, or now Spartan, uh, Eddie Buck, who's voiced by and acted by Nathan Fillion in the video games. And that's been a lot of fun walking around, walk, you know, with Nathan Fillion's voice rattling in the back of my head for six or seven months at a time. So. They should see if they can get him to do the audiobook. God, I wish they would. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. I would love it. I would love to do a full cast recording of these things. You know, get like Alan Tudyk, who had done some of the voices as well, and Trisha mm-hmm. Helford, and uh, d- just get them to do that kind of thing. That would be wonderful. But um, at the moment, that seems to just be a pipe dream. These are busy people who are doing television shows as well. So uh, audio books don't seem to be on their schedule as high. Yeah. So so you seem to do a lot of work in, in licensed properties. Is there a reason for that? Do you just really enjoy playing in other people's sandboxes? Or, or how does that happen? Well, you know, um, I had actually sworn off doing it a while ago. And then uh, licenses that I really love started falling in my lap with where you were abandoned. So that kind of threw me off. Um, you know, suddenly I'm like, no, I'm not going to do any more tie-in novels. And then Halo comes, and I've been playing Halo for decades, and I love Halo. And my kids love playing Halo with me. So I'm like, okay, great. The Life is Strange books, again, it's like, well, you know, my kids love this game, and I'm kind of enjoying it too. Let's see about doing that. Dungeons & Dragons is something I've been doing since I was, you know, 12 or 13, and they keep asking me to do things for D&D. So um, I wrote a Star Wars junior novel for Rogue One. And again, you know, the guys from Lucasfilm write you and say, are you interested in doing a Star Wars novel? <laughs> Your first answer is, yeah. So, so you've built a reputation as as this guy who's really good at doing licensed properties, so now everybody comes to you for license work, huh? It seems that way. I've, <laughs> I've not had to ask for a licensed uh, job for a long time. So I also do video game work, right? I worked on uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands, which came out last year, and I was also a story doctor in Assassin's Creed Origins that came out last year as well. And I've got some other games that I've been working on there that haven't been announced yet, um, or at least my involvement hasn't been announced. They'll be coming out next year. Uh, and again, those are things where you know I've been doing this long enough where I don't really have to go looking for the work. It just tends to fall on my lap, which is it's a good and a bad place to be. Um, number one is uh, I'm working on an original novel right now, and I'd like to devote more time to that. But you know, when this wonderful time work keeps falling in your lap, it tends to shove things off. Right. But, Right now, I've actually said no to a number of different other projects. Said I'm going to finish this right now, and get this novel done, and then I can go back to doing more of the tie-in stuff mm-hmm. and video game work and whatever else comes my way. Well, you I are... also uh, oh. I got the rights back to this video, this uh, tabletop game I did back almost 20 years ago called Brave New World, which um, well, I did for Pinnacle Entertainment Group back when I was running the company, and I'm going to probably be rebooting that for a 20th anniversary edition and running a Kickstarter early next year. Is oh. my hope. What's that game about? Uh, it's a dystopian superhero game, and it's set in a world 
uh, originally is back in 1999, where President Kennedy is still the president because he's been ruling under martial law since the 60s when his wife was assassinated hmm. by a superpower, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> okay. It gets pretty wild and wacky. And yeah, you're sure. playing part of the defiance in there, which I are mean, the heroes who are trying to restore law and order to the, the country. And sounds, freedom. It sounds like you've uh, you've found a niche in, in game design for Wild and Wacky, too. I know a lot of people that have really enjoyed Deadlands, for example. Uh, and that was yeah, one of those, wasn't it? That was Shane's baby, obviously. Shane Hensley's baby. Yeah. But I was the original developer on that game. And, um, you know, I think if you're going to do something, you know, try to do something other people aren't doing. Right? Sure. Well, m- mashing right. up Westerns and zombie stories is not something other people were doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Well, you know, the funny part is, you know, you talk about parallel development um, and why you always have to sign a waiver if you're going to present a game or a story idea to somebody. Uh, and the reason is, for instance, we thought, you know, who else is doing zombie, you know, Western horror stuff? Nobody. And we were six months into development on that game when uh, White Wolf announced Werewolf the Wild West, right? Mm. And we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when we came out with Brave New World, we're like, well, nobody's been doing superhero games for a while. And I think there were six different superhero role-playing games that came out that same year, right? Yeah. And it's impossible that we we're all cribbing off each other it's just because, you know, we're all swimming in the same cultural soup. We're all yeah. having the same ideas. We're all uh, watching the same movies, reading the same books. And then there's something in all of us that says, yeah, I, I really want to do that. I haven't seen that for a long time. And it's, you know, in a world where you think an idea is one in a million, how many millions of people do we have out there now, right? Sure. Uh, an idea that's one in a million isn't all that rare anymore. <laughs> so, right. So, you know, but you, it's all the execution. You try to do the best job you can with an idea and make it uniquely yours, no matter if it's something that sounds similar to somebody else's or not. Yeah. Well, I tell you, you, you are not in a position that uh, I think uh, most writers would be a too upset to be in or a lot of you know there's a lot of you know, struggling writers trying to get started who would just love if the work just kept coming to them right oh so. i know That's what I, about it, right? yeah. I mean I, i've been in that situation i was sure. that freelancer yeah. right i was the guy who said well i'll say yes to anything so my uh my first instinct when somebody writes me and says are you interested in doing this is yeah of course i want to do that right please 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 give me more and more and more yeah um but I've gotten to the point where I can't do that anymore. I mean, uh, people ask me often to get involved in their Kickstarters as a stretch goal. And I'm like, ah, you know, for the amount of time it's going to take you to ramp up and learn everything about what you're doing and then write something for it. Uh, it's just not worth my time in a lot of ways. Uh, as much as, you know, my you know, 20 years ago, I would have just killed to have that kind of assignment for fun. Yeah. Nowadays, I, I have to realize it's basically doing it for fun. I feed my family doing this. This is uh, I'm a full time writer and have been for decades now. And if I don't keep at it and you know, bring the money in, then I have to go back to doing something else, which nobody wants, believe me. <laughs> I hear you. So I guess we're, we're wrapping up here, and you've talked about kind of what you wanted to, to – what you've got coming up. Uh, so if people want to, like, check in with you or complain about how hard it is to survive <laughs> in your books or whatever, where on the Internet can people find you? Uh, well, they can always go to forbeck.com, F-O-R-B-E-C-K.com. I'm also on Facebook. You just look up Matt Forbeck. It's easy. And you can find me on Twitter at mforbeck. Or mforbeck, M-F-O-R-B-E-C-K. And come and harass me all you want. I'm used to it. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for, coming, thanks for coming I, I on. I have lots of children picking on me already. It's oh. okay. <laughs> I was going to say, have your kids read the books? I, some of them have read the books. Not all of them. I read a lot of books. So I don't think they read all my stuff, right? Your kids are older yeah. now, too. so. Yeah, my kids are older. One's off to college now, so he's got more than he can read already. And the other yeah. are in high school. so. Yep. 
Very good. Well, this is a blast. I, uh, we will have to make sure not to wait, you know, 12 years before we have you on again. <laughs> That'd be great. Thank that's you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it's a good time. And that's the end of this episode. We'd like to say thank you to our listeners who support the show by using our affiliate links with Amazon and DM Skilled, as well as those who support us directly at patreon.com slash the Tome Show. Uh, we'd also like to thank our guest, Ishmael. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, primarily on Twitter as uh, Elvin Wizard King, just like the, like it sounds. And that's that's pretty much where where I'm that's, at. These that's days. where you are. Yep. Uh, you can also contact the Tome Show. Uh, you can co- email us at thetomeshow at gmail You can tweet me. I am at Squatch S Q U A C H. You can tweet Tracy. She is at Sarah Dark Magic. She also has that YouTube channel. Uh, Sarah Dark Magic and a website sarahdarkmagic.com and you can tweet the show at the uh, at the Tome Show um, which you know is also me but it's it shows stuff so <laughs> and that's episode 310 where we picked our own paths we lived our childhood and had a lot of fun in this episode of the Tome the Tome the you don't dress up to play D and you don't dress up to play D and unless you want to like me. You don't dress up to play D and You don't dress up to play D and You don't dress up to play D and unless you want to like me. You don't think we fancy? Let me teach you about class. Priest, fighter, bone, cats to kick your ass. You don't think we street? Look at this table full of rice. You don't think we hard? Just touch my dice. You don't think we can get it? In the shoes, my character shoots because they fold to the brim with maxed out sass. Out to open my DM, he's sinky in charge. We don't worry about him. Simple when he has to get us, be like Jack the Swim. Master player, traitor, master creator. Look at me, master NPC generator. Just because she a master doesn't mean you have to hate her. Got a boy, I don't need to be no master later. I don't care if over there your character is dying because it's just like baseball. There's no crying. You want to join in? Now you start realizing we're the cool, cool nerds. Call me Neil deGrasse Tyson. D to the R to the A, good S, D and D. The dungeon master sets up a scenario, then he or she asks, where would you like to go? We talk as a group, then decide together. There's no winning, yo, we could play forever. Stay right there, let me answer your questions. I'll clear up all your misconceptions. Stay right there, let me answer your questions. I'll clear up all your misconceptions. You don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D unless you want to. Like me, you don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D unless you want to. Like me, you don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D unless you want to. Like me, you don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D unless you want to. Like me. I'm on the wall.